Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Good morning. Good morning, faithful ones who brave the cold to be here this morning. Uh, feel free to, to take a seat. Uh, my name is Eleanor. As Tim said, I'm the missions development pastor here at Gateway. Uh, some of you may uh, remember me as a Gateway Beyond worker. And uh, more recently, my claim to fame in the past uh, year and a bit as has been the COVID officer, one of the COVID officers welcoming you in the mornings. Thank you, Kim, a fellow COVID officer. It's it's a real privilege to be here as we go into the last Sunday of our preaching series, The Better Story. And so uh, welcome, welcome to those of you who are joining us online. Uh, In this preaching series, we've been learning about reflecting on the fact that the world wants to tell us that we live in a story where there is no God, there is no hope, and there is no truth. Or or truth is relative in the world's story, and our hope is in ourselves. But as believers, as followers of Christ, we know that there is an overarching, bigger story, a better story, the story of the gospel, in which truth is not relative. Truth is objective. It's outside of us. Truth is a person where Jesus says, I am truth. And so as followers of Jesus, we are called into this better story with a God who created us with purpose, and for a purpose, and he called us to be his messengers of this better story. And not only did he call us, he equipped us and gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us to be messengers of this better story. Yet what I find interesting, and what I wanna focus on this morning, is the fact that so many of us find it so scary and almost challenging to share this better story with those around us. And so I want to focus on why is that? Why do we find it so challenging or so scary to share the better story, to share the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ? And that's where we're going to go today. Uh, You know, The reality is for most of us, sharing good news is not a problem. We have no difficulty sharing about maybe a bargain where we we found something on sale and we were able to scoop it up at a great price, or we have no problem sharing good news about uh, maybe a great TV show we watched or a, a movie series, or even about uh, maybe about a, a sports team, a football team. Mind you, if uh, you're a Queenslander, you're probably not sharing about the state of origin. That, that really is not that good a news. But when it comes to sharing the gospel, the better story, the good news, for many of us, we, we, it's like we freeze and we feel incapable, like, 
I don't know what to say and I don't know how to say it and when to say it and why to say it. And, and it, it, it immobilizes us almost in panic. And I really think, for, as a matter of fact, for many of us, sharing bad news is actually far easier than sharing good news. And, you know, things that we see or read on the news, often it's easy for us to share that news that's, that's sometimes negative and bad. And as I've been thinking about this and pondering about this, this week in preparing for this sermon, I came across an interesting article from the BBC. And uh, the article headline which grabbed my attention was, why bad news dominates the headlines. Why bad news dominates the headlines. And I thought, oh, this is interesting as I'm preparing uh, the message this week. And in this article, it talked about a group of psychologists at the McGill University in Canada. And they decided to, to do an experiment where they invited participants to come and be part of a research project, but the participants were told it was under the pretense of tracking eye movements. So that's what people thought they were going there for, to get their eye movements tracked. And so the researchers set up all these websites, these news websites, with, um, with uh, a whole host of stories. But the actual thing that the researchers were, were tracking was not eye movement, it was on people's preference for good news and good feeling uh, stories and negative bad news stories. So they were trying to track what people chose to read. And what they found overwhelmingly, consistently, was that people chose the negative stories, even though they prepared these news sites in advance with positive and negative stories. And so the psychologists concluded from this research, uh, I want to get the wording right, that people have a disposition towards negativity. And that people, in fact, have, the exact quote, a collective hunger to hear, remember, and share bad news. And what they found is that people responded much quicker to negative words like war and um, bombs and death than responding to positive words like laughter and, I don't know, babies, puppies, fun, that people actually responded much quicker to negative words. Now, I'm not a psychologist. I haven't done all the, the, the study, and psychologists in this room, I welcome a discussion after this, but I don't know if I necessarily agree with the summation that people are predisposed or bent towards bad news. Because I've worked in parts of the world where people, every day, it's like bad news. They are desperately, as Lauren said in that video, in poverty, spiritually, physically, financially. And in working in those nations, when I have 
open my mouth to share good news, people are, are, it's like pouring water in the desert. People are so hungry and so thirsty for hope and for a fact that there's a God that loves them. People are literally crying out when they hear the good news, the better story of what Jesus has done for them. And they are so quick to respond. And particularly in places like India, where where I've worked for many years, amongst the low caste, the untouchables, they are so hungry and so open to hearing about a God that sees them, a God that loves them, a a God who died on the cross for them, that they respond with open arms to the good news. And there's such an openness to good news that that many in India, the higher castes, the Brahmins, would say Christianity is a poor man's religion because the poor respond so openly to good news. But what I found here in Australia, in the West, as I talk to people, there is still a hunger for good news, at least there's a hunger to understand why do bad things happen? If you say he's a good God, if you say he's a loving God, then tell me why do bad things happen? And so I consistently have people asking me questions as I share with them, well, okay, if he's a good God and a loving God, why do we have COVID? Why do we have natural disasters like what's happened recently in the Congo? Where, where thousands of people have been displaced, where, where there's thousands of children that in panic ran when they heard that the volcano was coming. And now UNICEF is trying to find homes and, and match these, these children that are, that are all abandoned or, or lost without their families. Well, well, why does God allow that to happen? Why does God allow, for example, Hannah Clark and her three innocent children to be ambushed, to be killed by an estranged husband. Essentially, what they're asking is, if God is real, if what you believe is true, well, where is God in the midst of all this bad stuff? And we know as believers that this world is broken, that Things are not the way they should be in the world we live in today. A world with sickness and injustice and things are just not the way they should be. That in Genesis chapter three, when Adam and Eve, when rebellion came into the world, sin entered the world, at that moment, the crack of rebellion brought brought a, a separation, brought death so that things are not the way they should be. We live in a broken world where bad stuff happens to good people. And we all, we can relate to that, we understand that, but we know it's not the end of the story. Things are not the way they should be, but one day, King Jesus will return. I got one amen, two. It's eight o'clock, we're getting warmed up. And we're Baptists. One day he will return and there'll be no more pain, suffering or death. It's not the end of the story. 
And that's why Jesus reminds us as his followers in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus tells us, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That is truth. That is Jesus' truth. And Paul reminds us again in 2 Corinthians verses 4, 16 to 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so, Father, this morning, we fix our eyes on you. We turn our hearts towards you. Father, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear the things that you're wanting to remind us of, the things you're wanting to challenge us in today. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I believe this morning that, that Jesus wants to encourage us each one of us that are here, and for those of you online, he's wanting to challenge us that he is with us and that we are to stay grounded in the reality that we are part of a better story, a story that has not reached its conclusion, and that the good news truly is good news to a world that is, is trapped in relative truth and hopelessness. That it's good news that, that brings hope. It brings healing to the broken. It brings freedom to the captives. And that is why through Gateway Beyond, this month as we look at our Gateway Beyond, our Above and Better series, this is why we as a church family, we partner together with God through each and every one of us, through our prayers, through our giving, through our serving, and for some of us, through our going, that we focus on being heralds, messengers, ministers of this better story to those we live, work, and laugh with here in our community, our nation, and our world. And that's why through Gateway Beyond, we, we celebrate with people just like Melody, and, and our 31 Gateway Beyond workers, people from this church, just like you and I, people who literally said, God, here am I, use me, send me. And we know we're not all called to go, but all of us play a role in supporting the extension of God's kingdom, the, the, the ministry of God's word here through our gateway care centers and our, our on-track ministry, giving food to those that are struggling and hope through our, our wholeness and counseling center. And we partner with our gateway beyond workers to nations that are crying out to hear the good news. 
We know that God wants to do so much more through each and every one of us, through the impact we can have as individuals in this church family to say, Father, here am I, use me, use my prayers, use my finances. Father, use my hands to serve you, that he wants to go above and beyond what we could ever expect, what we could ever dare hope for or imagine. And we all play a role in that. God calls all of us to be his witnesses. We know in Acts chapter one, verse eight, he says, you shall be my witnesses when my spirit comes upon you. We are called as witnesses. Now, the term witness is a term that we're very familiar with in, in uh, court, in legal proceedings, you know, you call the witness or you cross-examine the witness. And when Jesus says, you are my witness, you are my witnesses, he's referring to not only the noun, the naming word, here we go, an English lesson at eight o'clock in the morning, the noun that we are called witnesses, but he's also referring to the verb, the action word, the doing word, that we are witnesses and we are called to witness, to testify what we have seen or what we have experienced. And that's why in court, um, you know, we, we recognize, at least in TV shows like Law and Order, that a witness makes or breaks a case depending on their credibility. Are they credible and reliable witnesses? And the definition for a credible, reliable witness, which, which every prosecutor wants to have, is someone that is competent to give evidence. Or another definition, they are worthy of belief and are capable of knowing the issue thoroughly because they were there, because they were there. In other words, they saw it, they saw the event, or they experienced the event. And so when Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses to each and every one of us, that is what he's referring to. That you and I, through our testimony, would witness what we have seen or what we have experienced. And in Revelations 12, 11, we're told that they, they, corporately, they overcame him, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb, the work of the cross, and by the word of their testimony. The way we push back the darkness, the hopelessness, the bad news in the world we live in today is through the power of our testimony and through the blood of the Lamb. So you and I are called as credible, reliable witnesses to testify to what we have seen and experienced. There is power in our testimonies. People can argue with you that, that God's not real, that the Bible was just written by people, that people can argue, what's the saying? I think it's till the cows come home. 
Cows or cats, somebody comes home. Cows, thank you. If it's in India, it's till the cats come home, probably. There's so many cats. Now I've lost my train of thought. But anyway, it was a little diversion, uh, diverge, or something, a detour. But they cannot argue about your testimony because that is what you have experienced and what you have seen. And that is why we are told in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, all authority, Jesus said, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go, I'm giving it to you as my witnesses to go and testify to what you have seen and what you have experienced. And you know, for many of us, we say, okay, I know that's true, yep, good, all right, we're all called, but you know, I'm an introvert. I'm not so bold. I'm not, you know, that sort of personality. And it's almost like we put uh, sharing our faith, witnessing with certain personalities that are bold and and courageous and I'm an introvert or an extrovert. And and, and we know from Philippians chapter four, verse 12, it is true that that we're told he called some to be evangelists, some to be prophets, some to be teachers, etc. And so some of us hang on to that verse and we go, yes, see, that's why I'm not called to be an evangelist. And it is a specific call for some people. So some of you sitting in this room, some of you online, you are called as evangelists. But we are all called as witnesses, which means we are called to share our faith. That's what the term evangelism comes from a Greek word, euangelion which simply means heralds, we are called as heralds, messengers of the good news. There is power in our testimonies to touch broken lives because some of us were broken and we know the power that worked in our lives. There is power to set captives free because some of us were captives to addiction, to to whatever it would be. And we know the power in the gospel, in the better story to set people free. And I think for some some of you in this room, this wasn't my case, but some of you, you grew up in Christian families. And so your coming to faith was just kind of a a gradual process. And, you know, I've talked to some Christians, they say, gee, I wish I had one of those powerful testimonies, you know, where I was on, I don't know, some drug bend and I don't know what sort of testimony, but those testimonies you hear where where people came from really rough backgrounds and then they had an encounter with Jesus and the next day their life was changed. And some of you here, some of you online, that's your testimony. And I think sometimes when we don't have a testimony like that, we think, well, it's not so powerful. But the the fact is, the enemy, Satan, we're told in 1 Peter 5.8, he knows the power there is in a testimony and we're told that he prowls around like a lion. In 1 Peter, he prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. 
And we're told in John 10.10 that the enemy comes to rob, steal, and destroy. So here's this picture of a very real enemy that's looking for any way to devour, to rob, steal, and destroy, or another way of saying it, to silence us. The enemy is looking to paralyze us so that we remain silent, like like somehow our testimony of who God is and what he's done in our life, it's just going to, you know, as I sit here silently, it's just going to ooze through my pores to the world around me. The enemy tries to keep us silent. You know, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. I um, believed I was a Christian because growing up every now and again, like once a year, twice a year, Christmas and Easter, uh, my mother would drag my brother and I to the Anglican church. It was a high Anglican church with the hymnal books. And um, I just used to sit there, you know, counting the tiles and, you know, how many times we stood up and knelt down and I wasn't so engaged. And in my last year at university, um, here in Brisbane, somebody shared the gospel with me. And I went forward, actually here at Gateway, when we were Holland Park Baptists back in 1985, and I gave my life to Jesus. And as a normal procedure of discipleship, um, a few months later, I ended up getting baptized. I was up in Cairns in far north Queensland teaching at a primary school, and I was baptized. The thing was, I never told my parents because I was nervous to tell them that I had become a Christian because we believed we were Christians. And I thought they're not going to understand that I've become a Christian, never mind that I got baptized when I was christened as a child. And I remember I used to sneak out uh, with my Bible under my coat or in my purse to Bible studies. And, you know, I just didn't, it just felt awkward to, to have that conversation with my parents. A few days after I was baptized, a lady from the church rang me. And she said, Eleanor, I just had the strangest conversation. Someone, a lady, rang me asking me all these questions about you and your baptism. And I was like, who was it? And she said, I don't know. So I started thinking, who would have rung and asked all these questions about my baptism? And then I put two and two together. I think it's my mom. And so I I sat down with mom and dad. I still remember that day, like... Okay, here we go. And just sharing with them how I'd become a Christian. And I'll never forget the words my mum said. She said, Eleanor, if you've become a Christian, fair enough. But you know, before you were a Christian, you were never dishonest, you never lied, you never kept secrets. Now you're a Christian, that's all we've experienced of you. Wow. Wow, I let fear keep me silent. I let fear of what my parents would think of me, that I would hurt their feelings, I had let the enemy rob, steal, and destroy. 
Because the enemy, this roaring lion, is looking for ways to paralyze us. And his number one strategy, time and time again, is fear. Fear, what will people think of me? What if they reject me if I open my mouth? What if they misunderstand me? What if I'm persecuted? for sharing my faith, particularly in nations where you can be persecuted and disowned. He holds us in bondage to fear. That's his number one strategy. And the fact is everyone fears something. Everyone fears something. We live in a time and an age where there are more phobias, and the term phobia is an extreme irrational fear. We live in a time and a world today where phobias and anxiety and fear is at an all-time high. My mom has, I had to look it up, arachnophobia, a fear of spiders. You know, whether your fear is spiders or flying or confined spaces or public speaking, everyone has a fear. What's your fear? Maybe those of you online, you can write your fear into the chat. We all have fears, but we are told, do not be overcome, do not give up. I have overcome the world. Jesus reminds us the only way is to acknowledge our fear in order to overcome it. In fact, we are to face our fears because God knows we are human. And that's why throughout the scripture, time and time again, he says, fear not, fear not, fear not. Just a passage that Tim read this morning. Fear not, I am with you when you walk through the waters. Fear not, over 500 times throughout the scripture, it talks about fear, over 500 times. God tells us, fear not. And while courage is often given as an antithesis, an opposite to fear, courage is not opposite to fear. Courage actually manifests or shows itself in the times when we are in the middle of fear. That's where courage rises up within us and courage pushes us to act in spite of fear, in spite of being scared. Early on in my uh, years as a Gateway Beyond worker, I was living and working in Amsterdam in Holland. That's where I started ministry. Uh, in the red light district of Amsterdam, working with um, those caught up in the sex industry and with drug addicts. And I worked there for four years. I'll never forget one of the first times that I had an opportunity to give my testimony publicly. I was in Vondel Park, which is the main park in Amsterdam. That would be like going to the Botanic Gardens here. And uh, we'd had a group that had done a dance, and we probably, it was a Saturday afternoon, there was probably about 300 people watching our performance. And then it was my turn to share a testimony with a translator. And I stood up, and 
and we were, had a tarpaulin set up that we were standing on and there were people sitting on the grass, like I said, about 300 people. And as I stood up to, to share my testimony, I started with, hi, my name's Eleanor, and this morning or this afternoon, I wanna share with you about what God has done in my life. And I started to share. And just as I started to share, this guy turned up on a motorbike, you know, looking quite fearsome, and he drove up on, off the path, straight up onto the tarpaulin. Here I was, the, the audience was there, he rode straight up in front of me, run, 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 on his motorbike, and he turned to me and he shouted, shut up, you fat so-and-so. Now, what would you do? Lord, open the ground and swallow me. Father, I welled up with tears. I was so ashamed. I was so overwhelmed. I just wanted to run screaming into the park away from everyone. I was so paralyzed. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. And at that moment, Holy Spirit courage came on me and I turned to this man and I turned to all the people sitting there, just like you and at home. What's she gonna do? And something rose up inside of me and I said, you know, the message that I wanna share this morning, it terrifies people and that's why people want me to shut up, but I will not shut up because I wanna share with you about a God who sees me and loves me and has a purpose for my life. And this morning, you get the hang of it, preaching, yeah, go, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> I witnessed, I kicked the witness, well, not the witness, I witnessed like never before. There was a courage that rose up because I know what God had done in my life. And that's a reality. The way we combat fear that paralyzes us is through a love that stabilizes us. His love. His love combats fear. And that's why in 1 John 4, 8, we're told there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out for fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Love overcomes fear. Love stabilizes us in the face of fear. Love defeats fear. And you know, I'm not married, so I've never been in love per se. Well, not enough that I would wanna marry someone. But you know, I hear these testimonies of people in love that when they're in love, they can't but open their mouth and tell the other person. And that's why, you know, in musicals, love lifts us up where we belong. You know, uh, Eden, here I am, Mark, practicing for the choir. You know, and I will always love you. <laughs> oh, another clap, thank you. There's something that rises up in us 
with love, his love, his perfect love. And that's why Paul tells us in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed because it is the power of God that brings salvation for everyone who believes. And this morning I've asked Jerrica uh, to join me up on the stage because Jerrica's just like you and I, a part of our church. And I've asked Jerrica if she would just share briefly, I've had opportunity to, to interact with Jerrica a little bit, but Jerrica, what, if you could just share, what ways have you overcome fear in sharing with others? Yeah, well, Just come um, on over here a little bit. Yeah, yeah. it's okay, come closer. Um, well, I didn't grow up in a Christian family either, and so I had you know, some dark and traumatic times in my life too, but I became a believer when I was um, 19, and I just felt God's love and grace over my life, and I literally felt it. And um, one thing that amazed me when I became a believer was that, that I could speak to God, and um, I could just spend time with Him, and the amazing thing was that He would actually speak back. And that amazed me. That just opened up just so much in my world. And I was like, wow, God's not just a God in the sky, but He is a personal God that wants to speak to me and is more than willing to share His heart with me if I would just listen. And so that's what changed my life. And that's what motivates me to share the gospel with other people. Um, just wherever I go is just knowing that God loves me and wants a relationship with me and I can share His love with others and that we can all have that relationship with God, doesn't matter what our background is. Um, and so my background um, is I'm a homeschooling mum of three boys, and um, I've just been asking God, like, how do I share the gospel with us, others, and how do I share my faith in everyday life? Like, as we go to the shops, or whether it's speaking to a mum at the park, or wherever we go, if it's a restaurant, God, show me how to share your love, and show me how to share it in love, with, um, yeah, with your words and give me wisdom. And um, I feel like that verse is true, that perfect love casts out all fear. And I often ask God, show me your heart for this person. And that looks like a lot of different things, but um, one practical example is um, we, we went out uh, with a few gateway people um, and did some street evangelism a few weeks ago. And I just asked God to share his heart for, for people that we were speaking to. And one particular uh, couple, we stopped and just asked, um, do you mind if we, if we pray for you? And um, God just gave me a picture then and there of something that I felt um, related to her. And I asked her you know, if I could share it with her and if it related, then that's great. And as I shared this picture and what God had put on my heart for her, um, it was quite amazing because it was exactly what she was going through in her situation. It was her life, and that wasn't me, that was God. That was just me asking God, show me what you wanna say to this person. Show me your heart for her. And she was amazed, and she looked at me, and I was like, well, it's not me, it's just God. <laughs> he sees you, and he loves you, and he's a very personal God. And she opened up and said that she'd actually walked away from God a few years beforehand. And uh, we were able to encourage her that God still loves her. He still sees her. He stands there with his open arms and he's always willing to embrace her in love. And that doesn't matter if she's walked away, that he's always there. And she felt the presence of God. She felt his love in that moment. And she was able to say to me, you know what, I just wanna go home. I just wanna read my Bible. I just wanna surrender everything back up to God. 
and just come back to him. And that was actually really amazing and that wasn't me, that was just allowing God to work through me. So I think, um, you know, it's just using, um, you know, the gifts that God gives us and the abilities that he gives us um, to just, yeah, speak his heart to people and and not to be afraid because fear's always gonna be there. But I think just when you actually step out and just open your mouth, and I find that, you know, that's, that's my thing, is just when I actually just open my mouth and start speaking, God just comes through and it's, it's not me. So. Thank you. Let's give Jericho a clap. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jerica. You know, Jerica's just like all of us. There's, I've had a cup of tea with Jerica. She's not, you know, superhero. She's just like you and I. But Jerrica has this understanding of the better story, that, that we have been called as his witnesses. And all we need to do when we are weak is to trust in his strength, to trust that he has called us and he has equipped us. Imagine what that would look like practically if every one of us, those of you online, if we really embrace the fact that we are called to be credible, reliable witnesses, testifying to what he has done in our life to those around us. And you know, this morning as we come to a close, I believe for For many of us, we've allowed fear, fear of man, fear of what others think, whatever those fears are, we've allowed them to to keep us silent, to paralyze us, to stop us from, from opening our mouths and just expecting our testimony to flow through our pores. But this morning, God wants us to to cry out to him and to ask for courage in the face of fear, to act in spite of fear. And so this morning, I wanna ask all of us, maybe as an act of courage this morning, if you're struggling with fear, fear particularly in sharing your testimony and sharing your faith, with those around you in sharing the better story. I wanna challenge you this morning to come forward, even though that in itself, you know, it's well known in this church to come down the front is scary because everyone sees you and oh, I don't know, it's like, I don't know what's down here. It's kind of scary. But I believe for some of you this morning that struggle with sharing with your family, your friends, those you work with. This morning, I wanna challenge you to take a step and come down the front. And I'm gonna ask Jerrica, and we've got some of the prayer team and our pastors here to, to come down the front this morning. And they'd love to pray for you. So let's just stand this morning and let's just declare the words of this song, that perfect love casts out fear that we are to fear not. He is the God who rescues us in spite of fear. So if Jerrica and the prayer team, pastors could just come down the front this morning, if you'd like to respond as an act of courage, then then come now.
and I'll pray with you.
fear. And don't let fear keep you where you are this morning. Whatever that fear is, feel free to respond this morning. And uh, we're going to end this time. Let's just end that once more. hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ or would like us to pray for you, please go to gatewaybaptist.com.au and let us know.